Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, August 7th. Now, most of you listeners know we try to record these episodes and get them out to you as early in the day as possible so that you can have them for your morning commutes, for your lunchtime break, whatever it may be. Just mull on the previous day's biggest storylines, results, and controversies so that you are prepared for the next day's events from the tennis world because as we all have learned, the tennis world, such a fluid place place, whether it be the pro level, college, juniors, there are so many things happening on a day-by-day basis. It's tough to keep track with everything, and of course, that is our goal here at the Mini Break, to help all of you listeners keep track of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from throughout the tennis world. That being said, I am recording this at about 5.30 p.m. on Friday afternoon. The reasons for that, a couple of fold. One, uh, it's busy times here at Cracked Rackets. We've got a lot of fun things planned for all of you listeners, plans for all of you Cracked Rackets fans, whether it be on the podcast front, on the YouTube video front. We've had a lot of great video content as of late and continue to plan on developing more and more video content for all of you tennis fans to enjoy. Of course, we are also hopefully... And I haven't talked about this much because a lot of it's been in flux, justifiably so, uh, given what the WTA is trying to create uh, in terms of a bubbled environment in Nicholasville, Lexington, uh, I suppose more casually for you fans out there for the WTA event next week. Uh, we've been doing various things here at Crack Records because our team's supposed to be on site covering the event in uh, collaboration with both the Top Seed Tennis Club as well as our friends over at the Tennis One app. And so, you know, just a bunch of logistical things to figure out this morning. Of course, again, we did get out our GSP Ace of the Day, our segment with DraftKings to help all of you listeners get in on all of the action going on around the tennis world, particularly as tour play begins to pick up again. And if you listen to that segment, you know the people I was most confident in heading into Friday's quarterfinal action in Palermo, Annette Conteve, Diana Yastremska. As of recording this, Conteve did manage to grind out a three-set win. Yastremska was up a set in a break, but now up a set and won all in her nighttime match. So, you know, if you want to get in on the action, of course, I highly recommend listening to those GSP Ace of the Days where we break down the day's events, you know, what matches all of you tennis fans can look out for each and every day across the globe. Of course, here we recap all the biggest storylines, biggest matches, but just sort of set the scene of the field of action if you want to hear that each and every day. Highly recommend those GSP Ace of the Day segments even if you don't want to get in on the action yourself. Uh, It's really fun just to follow along, picking winners. Certainly, all of us who are tennis fans have filled out a draw before for a Grand Slam. This is no different than that, only I suppose there are slightly higher stakes this time around. But still, I know all of you fans will enjoy that GSP Ace of the Day segment, so be sure to go check that out. Again, though, uh, we are recording this at 5.30 p.m., and given that we have the return of professional action, I also just wanted to make this 
quick note for all of you Patreon subscribers who are listening to this podcast, for those of you who may be interested in subscribing to our Patreon channel, of course, that is a paid subscription where you get access to some of the other content we do here at Cracked Rackets, uh, exclusive looks, early previews, you know, uh, things such as that, uh, exclusive content as well, listener mailbags, all of these fun things we try to do for our Patreon listeners. Uh, we are going to be continuing our weekend mini break episodes for you Patreon fans uh, beginning this week now that there is sanctioned action back going on. You know, that that's the catch-22 in professional tennis because all of us have things to do on the weekend. That's when the majority of the population relaxes from their work. But, you know, if you're a professional tennis fan, Saturday, Sunday, it's a championship weekend. You get quarterfinal action, usually Friday, semifinals Saturday, finals on Sunday. If you let all of that play accumulate, you know, that Monday pod becomes awfully stressful because you try to recap the previous action, preview the next week's action. Anyways, that's a little behind the scenes look. But for our uh, for our Patreon subscribers, do know that our weekend podcast recapping all of the action, previewing the next day's events, and of course, the fluid storyline surrounding the three-week bubble in New York, what play will look like uh, should uh, the WTA ATP decide to fill the now absent dates in the rest of this 2020 calendar, which players are pulling out of the event, and you know, players continue to pull out of the U.S. Open, although no surprising names, really. No one we hadn't heard about already, and I want to talk about that a little bit on today's podcast as well, but needless to say, that opening announcement, Patreon subscribers, please know that our weekend mini-break podcast episodes will be coming back to starting up this weekend, so be on the lookout for those in your feed. Also be on the lookout for our second mailbag podcast. We've gotten the messages, uh, the questions sent in, have some fun stuff for all of you listeners. I plan on recording that this weekend before we head off to Kentucky. So again, Patreon subscribers, be on the lookout for that. If that is something you are interested in, you are just a casual mini break listener whom, by the way, we love equally. We love everyone who takes the time to listen to these mini break podcasts. I've got enough love for everyone. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, I'm watching Diana Yastrzemska. I'm going to get problematic. Whatever. I'm just going to say it. We're heading into the weekend. You know, people are not the biggest fans of Diana Yastrzemska personally right now, and I'm not going to litigate whether that is justified or not, but I will say this. I have a huge soft spot in my heart right now for her tennis game because she has looked spectacular this week. It has been so great to see professional tour play back in action. That adrenaline rush that comes when it's 5-4 or 5-3, whatever it may be at the end of a set, watching a player struggle to serve out a match, watching a player who's down struggle to work their way back into the match. It's just been exceptional. I missed it so much. And so I have watched, I think, highlights of every match played in Palermo. I think I have, yeah. Highlights of every match played. I've watched a bunch of them in full as well throughout the day. I have thoughts. So that is going to be the focus of today's podcast. Set the weekend up in Palermo. Talk about the U.S. Open news we've heard. Of course, the reason we are able to do that day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast is because of the support we get from our friends over at Midwest Sports. And look, you know the deal. For more than 30 years, they've served as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers by offering a comprehensive selection 
selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. But did you also know that they have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping from their automated warehouse directly to your front door? That means they've got all of the brands, folks. Adidas, Asics, Babolat, K-Swiss, New Balance, Nike, Yonix, Wilson, Head, Babolat, you name it, they've got it. You know, if you're a man who likes to dress in the collared shirt, you want to be on court, you want to be looking classy, you're trying to emulate Roger Federer out there. By the way, quick tangent for you listeners, I have never been a fan of rocking a collared shirt on the tennis court. It's not because I think it's stuffy, although I understand the conception, you know, tennis trapped in its conservative roots. It's There are these, you know, faux traditions that for some reason, like, why are we wearing all white at Wimbledon still? Is that really a tradition we need to uphold? I am not the biggest fan of it. I'm fine with players expressing themselves however they are comfortable. Nevertheless, it's not the fight to fight about, given all of the other issues confronting tennis. But I remember my senior year of high school, you know, our entire team, our, our coach was very adamant. He's like, I want you guys playing in collared shirts. We've got a really good team this year. It'd be nice to kick everyone's ass and look classy doing it as well. And I was like, Ugh, I just don't feel comfortable in it. I just feel, I feel the collar on my neck always. I just feel like I'm trapped a little bit, or maybe it's because I always rock a little bit of lettuce in the back of my head. You know, that hair gets a little bit rambunctious, or at least in those days in particular, it did. I just never felt comfortable. I felt like I always had to adjust the collar. I feel like, you know, I don't ever want to be wearing a shirt with buttons if I don't have to. I'm a guy who either lets it loose or, you know, I'm wearing a t-shirt, a cotton tee. I've just always been more comfortable in that. Nevertheless, if you are someone who wants to feel a little bit classy, you like to feel buttoned up and just, you know, you want to feel all put together on the tennis court. You don't have to worry about your appearance. You can focus only on the tennis. They've got all those options available to you at Midwest Sports. Collared shirts, shorts you know, uh, Under Armour, I mean, uh, what's dry fit is the term I was looking for dry fit. Uh, that's by the way, great branding by Under Armour to, for me to associate it with that. But anyways, dry fit clothing, you know, shorts, shoes, socks, strings, rackets, you name it. They've got it all. You can find it by going to their website, midwestsports.com. While you're there, use our promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order free two day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all folks, of course, as well, you're going to get yourself a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, Midwest Sports, wanting to make sure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a successful one. So go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Also, we say it all the time, look good, feel good, play good. With Midwest Sports, you're going to look good. With our friends at Aerobar, you're going to be feeling good as you step onto the court because Aerobar provides the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business. It's more potassium than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey oat, and chocolate chip flavors. More importantly, it's the energy you need, a great way to start your day. You're not going to feel bloated. You're going to feel fresh to death. Even, you know, you're someone who has a cotton tee out there and maybe that your opponent's rock in this beautiful collared shirt and you're going to feel a little bit intimidated but then you're going to say wait to your wait I'm properly fueled. I'm ready to go. I'm about to whoop this kid. And it's going to be because you have that energy boost you need from our friends at Aerobar. Of course, we are also so excited to continue recording our Thursday Getting to the Point episodes here on the mini break with our friends over there to focus on the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern tennis game. You can begin focusing on your own nutrition and fitness by turning to our friends at Aerobar. You go to aerobar.com, order yourself up a case of bars, use our promo code, correct? 15 while you're doing it. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you will also get a uh, 15% off your order. Again, that promo code cracked15. Look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports Aerobar. That's what you get if you are 
a Cracked Rackets fan, folks. Now, with all that being said, let's get into today's news. And again, I do apologize for the hour of today's podcast release. Just had a bunch of different things going on. If you followed my Twitter feed, you know I was getting active. It's because I wanted to watch highlights again of all of these matches in Palermo so I could do justice to the tennis we've seen thus far. And more importantly, I'm just taking advantage of the fact that I get to spend two hours of my day now legitimately watching tennis, and it's just like, hey, I have to. This is my job. I want to be up to date so I can provide our fans with the sort of information they have come to expect from us, with the sort of well-informed, candid, somewhat innocent, but clearly he's got a dark side, sensitive, still funny, um, but definitely a little bit sensitive, uh, sarcastic, definitely thinks he's smarter than he is, humor uh, you've expected from us here at Crack Racket. So with all of that being said, I want to talk about Palermo first. Let's quickly go through the new U.S. Open news because there were a few developments over the past, you know, 24 hours since we last spoke on this mini break podcast. When I left you off, I named, I told you that the wild cards had been named for the main draw. Just to quickly repeat those wild cards on the women's side, Kleisters, Caroline Dalahide, uh, Yusue Arcanada, Ann Lee, Cece Bellis, Francesca DiLorenzo, Robin Montgomery, Whitney Osigwe, all named to be, uh, all named to, into the women's main draw. By the way, since that moment, Francesca DiLorenzo has gotten in on her own ranking following a couple of withdrawals, so that is going to be another wild card available for the USTA to hand out. If you're asking me who the odds on favorite is, I'm not reporting this, I'm just speculating. Given that she was just named as a wild card recipient into the uh, qualifying for the Western and Southern event, would not shock me in the slightest if last year's USTA Girls 18's national champion, rising uh, US uh, American women's star, someone we have had on this podcast before, Katie Volinets receives that Francesca DiLorenzo wild card. That would be my best guess right now. You could also put Ashley Leahy, Alexa Graham, the maybe two top American college tennis players from this past season on that list of potential recipients as well. There are a lot of good candidates. You know, you could throw Haley Baptiste in there. You could throw, uh, again, there are so many different people you could choose from. The point being, again, this speaks to how stacked right now uh, the women's tennis game is if you are a young American. But again, in particular, again, good wildcard selections from the U.S. Open. I think we've established that. On the men's side, Andy Murray, who also one spot out from the main draw, so that could be another wild card available. He receives a wild card. Nakashima does. Kwiatkowski, Sebastian Korda, Ulysses Blanche, Michael Moe, Maxime Cressy, J.J. Wolf. Again, all very valid, very well thought out selections. Should Andy Murray end up getting in the draw on his own, you start to wonder, okay, is that going to be a Blumberg spot in terms of the college representation? Could that go to someone like a Mitchell Kruger or you know a Noah Rubin and Chris Eubanks. There's a whole fleet of candidates available. Certainly, I think that wild card will become open. And so just be expect uh, expect a little bit more news because as we continue to learn more and more players, again, not and, and this is something I will continue to stress until the event actually starts. No fan should hold it against one of these players for making the decision to not play this U.S. Open. Of course, we all want to see our favorite fans in uh, favorite players in play. None of us are going to deny that. Do I want to watch a tournament without Roger Federer? Well, that might not have been a great example, but do I want to watch a tournament without? Uh, I don't want to watch a tournament without Roger Federer. I'm just sick of seeing Roger Federer win all of the Grand Slams. I want some new people to break in. That's not a new thought to everyone, but I don't want to conflate the two. So 
again, do I want to see a draw without a new start to look through some of the players who have currently pulled out of this event? Ashley Barty, Alinas, Alinas Vitalina, Kiki Bertens, Anastasia Pavlchenko, uh, Julia Gurgis, you know, Potapova, Bogdan, and then on the men's side, do I want to see a tournament without Nadal, Federer, Monfils, Fonini, Wawrinka, Kyrio, Songa? The answer is, of course not. Under ideal circumstances, we would always have those players. The reality, and we're five months in, so if this is new news to you, I apologize, but we're just not going to have tennis as normal in 2020. There are going to be have to be sacrifices on the part of everyone, whether that be from the top players, the fact that the U.S. Open USD announcing that the winner's purse is going to be less this year than it was in 2019. You know, U.S. Open uh, prize money, Grand Slam prize money in general has been trending so far upwards for uh, particularly the Grand Slam champions, the people who do best at the events. That's not a sacrifice any of them want to make. And by the way, and you know, there was this article that came out from Marsa yesterday reporting that the top 20 men's players had a secret call with the USTA and threatened to boycott if they weren't ensured that they were going to be able to head over to the French Open immediately after without quarantining. And yeah, I think it was Courtney Wynn who also uh, pointed out yesterday, she said, I've typed up and deleted 12 tweets about this Marsa report. So did I yesterday. I didn't want to tweet about it. It would have just been a rash emotional response. I will say this. It continues to become clearer and clearer, and this is not a new concept, but certainly it's been exposed more now than maybe it would be under normal circumstances. The interests of players ranked inside the top 20, inside the top 10, just always at the top of the respective men's and women's game, but the men's in particular, it seems like. The the top men seem to be particularly conniving. The interests are just always going to differ for the players at the top of the game than it will at the bottom. And, you know, that's part of the structure uh, in every stratosphere of life, unfortunately. But, you know, it becomes particularly exaggerated when you see, you know, the percentage of sway these top players have in an individual sport like tennis because a tournament without Nadal, without Federer, without Djokovic, that certainly lacks the appeal of one with those guys. And it's so often individual talents that drive attention in an individual sport like tennis. So, of course, that's justified. That's capitalism at its finest. But... You know, again, a report like that is just so frustrating because you want to know why players have been unable to successfully unionize? It's because the collective we never overtakes the collective me in tennis. And part of that's an individual sport. You know, people, and this is not to say it's these people driving the conversation, but if you're Rafa Nadal or Roger Federer or Novak Djokovic, you always want what's best for you because your career is for you. You are a tennis player for you, for your family, for the people who rely on you. You're not a tennis player for the player who's ranked 338 in the world, right? That is not your focus. Now, it's great if it is. Of course, that's an added bonus, but just realistically, to expect Novak Djokovic to be thinking about how to make tennis a better place for world number, you know, 512 on any given Tuesday, like, I know he's the ATP Player Council president, so again, Djokovic might not be the best example, but a guy like Dominic Thiem, to expect him to be thinking about that each and every day, that's just not realistic. And of course, in an ideal world, structures like unions would exist, and there would be these organizations to guide the players that have built up some equity over years of service, but 
you know, those those entities just don't exist right now. And so anyways, that was my take from the Marsa secret calls that the, the interests at the top will always be different at the bottom. And because there are so many differing interest group within tennis, it's always going to be extraordinarily difficult to unionize all of the, the laborers under one collective banner. Uh, we continue to get closer and closer, I think, but it will just always remain a challenge until there's just a generation of selfless players at the top of the game who understand what it's like to struggle to work your way up and can just, I mean, not to say that Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal don't understand that struggle, but until they make that such an active part of their life, particularly while they are in their most dominant form, uh, you know, while they're at their peak of popularity and relevance within the sport, uh, it's going to be really difficult to do. And again, there have been examples of players who've taken the time to speak out, to fight for player equality. Um, we don't have to go through all of them right now. But again, I just think that's what that call exposed to me. And to get back to where we are at with the U.S. Open, announcements from people like, you know, Svitolina, Burtons, Bardi, and Nadal, Monfils, Fonini, Wawrinka, Kyrgios over the past few days, it hasn't been surprising because those are the signs they've been indicating as well. Uh, but certainly now, you know, when Anastasia Pevelchenkova, you know, who's a member of the WTA Player Council, announced her decision, she hadn't missed a draw, a main draw at a slam since 2008. Uh, obviously, it speaks to the gravity of the moment. And so, again, I just wanted to provide an update of where we're at. It's not going to surprise me at all to see further players, uh, you know, come out and announce that they are also uncomfortable. You know, now John Wertheim and Christopher Clary have reported that there have been calls recently between, you know, the top players on the ATP at the USTA, the US Open, the top players on the WTA, all of the relevant interests to say that, hey, we are doing our best to facilitate, a, you know, your the travel restrictions in Europe be waived for those participants participating in the bubble in New York. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the safety conditions in New York, some of the regulations put in place as we get closer to that start date. But it's still a very fluid situation right now. We still don't know exactly what the U.S. Open is going to look like. I still think there are... There's worlds uh, in the next two weeks where the U.S. Open just becomes not feasible, where it's going to be impossible because of the travel restrictions, because of spiking cases within the United States, uh, that it's just going to be really, really difficult to conduct the U.S. Open. I think it's going to happen still. I'd say 80-20 right now, it is definitely going to happen, and certainly the USTA, U.S. Open officials are pressing forward as if it will under any circumstance. But that's where we're at right now. There's still a lot in the air. By the way, Francesca DiLorenzo being in the draw, her wild card goes to Sasha Vickery. Uh, of course, again, Anne Lee, who got a wild card into the main draw, is the next one in to the main draw via her ranking. So there could come another wild card open. But that's where we are at with the U.S. Open right now. And again, there will continue to be developing stories, new news, and we're going to get into all the safety and health regulations as we get closer to the event. So, be on the lookout for more U.S. Open discussion again over these next couple of weeks as it becomes closer and closer to actually becoming a reality during this 2020 year. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Now, with that being said, 
let's get into uh, my just my thoughts on Palermo because I do have a couple of notes here from watching all of the play, and in particular, I want to talk about the players who have stood out the most, and you know the players. And as I mentioned, it's now five fifty one. Just a little time update as you've been listening along to me recording this podcast, and there's still one quarterfinal match going on in Palermo. It's Diana Yastremska versus Camilla Georgi. Yastremska, a six four winner in the first set. It's now two all advantage Georgi in that second set. By the way, I made the mistake of saying Georgie, not a hard hitter. What I meant to say is Georgie, uh, arguably with Yastrzemska, two of the most un- unfiltered, untamed raw power players on the WTA Tour. They're both exceptional talents, uh, and so that is going to be a battle. I also have a little bit of action on Diana Yastrzemska if you listen to Friday's GSP Ace of the Day. So, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to say she's a lock to get to the semifinals. I do, though, want to talk about her performance this week because win or lose this match, she has reminded everyone why she is so clearly thought of. And again, not to get problematic, as I, I talked about at the beginning, a lot of things have happened to her, you know, statements she's made off the court, certain decisions she's made that are, you know, nishgit as at best, as we would say in Yiddish. But uh, just in terms of her tennis talent, it's undeniable that Diana Yastrzemska belongs near or at the top of any list of young up-and-coming WTA talents with Grand Slam potential, or Grand Slam winning potential. And let me just start with her rankings accomplishments. You look at the WTA Live rankings right now, Diana Yastrzemska currently sitting at a position that's not anything crazy, right? Number 25, her career high is number 21. She turned 20 years old a little bit earlier this year. Of course, she was 19, really, when she achieved that top 25 ranking, which is uh, worth mentioning as well. To have that sort of success at that young of an age just doesn't happen that frequently. Uh, but for Diana Yastrzemska, you start to you know put some lists together in terms of, well, there are so many talented under 25-year-olds, as I've mentioned all week long when looking at the WTA. Where does she rank amongst that group? Currently, the 20-year-old Yastrzemska ranks 12th amongst all WTA players in singles under the age of 25. Uh, you know, in term, there are a lot of players on that list older than her, so let's start narrowing it down. Again, she's number 12 in the 25 and under category. In the 24 and under category, she's all the way up to number 8. In the 23 and under category, she's all the way up to number 7 behind people like Kennan, Andrescu, Osaka, you know, Rybakena because of her hot start. Sure, that makes sense. Von Drusova, who's made a Grand Slam final already. Sure, that makes sense. Arnia Sab- or, sorry, Arena Sabalenka, you know, that one makes a lot of sense as well, given what she's accomplished at the Premier Mandatory level already in her career. But you get to the under-22. She's top five. Again, now it's just Andrescu, Kennan, Rybakena, Von Drusova. Under-21 rankings, Bianca Andrescu, 2019 U.S. Open champion number one, Diana Yastremska, number two. And that's above Amanda Nisimova. That's above Iga Sviatik. I mean, Coco Golf a little bit young to throw her in that category. But Diana Yastremska has been at the top of her peer group for as long as she has been playing tennis. And I mean, this is someone who is a junior Grand Slam runner-up in both singles and doubles. This is someone who made her debut in the top 100 and won 
two WTA titles when she was 18 years old. You know, you look at what she's accomplished already in her career. The fact that she has a separate career statistics page already on Wikipedia and she just turned 20, uh, that speaks to how accomplished the young, talented Ukrainian is. And you look for her again. She's already made a fourth round at Wimbledon. Quarterfinalist last year at the Wuhan Open. Won 60% of her matches last year, by the way. 32 and 21. Two titles in two finals. Uh, You look at where she won those titles again. uh, She was a winner in... in, I believe, Joaquin last year on the hard courts over Alia Tamjanovic. She also won in Strasbourg uh, when she knocked out Caroline Garcia on the clay. Now, she has not yet made a final on grass, but, you know, the opportunities have certainly been limited. Although, I will say she made a final on grass. That's a lie. At the 100K level event in Ilkley, uh, that was back in June 2018, and, you know, that fourth round at Wimbledon. She's shown how proficient she is across all four surfaces, and that's because you watch her strike the ball. Again, I keep saying this. There's this tier of, you know, top fleet ball strikers, the Serena Williamses, the Sabalankas of the world, who can just generate this absurd amount of power at will from any position on the court. Diana Yastrzemska belongs in that category. She moves well around the courts, again, proficient on all three surfaces movement-wise, but the power she can create off of her ground strokes down the line, cross-court, if you give her time to swing freely, she's going to hurt you, and she's going to hurt you badly. And I know you think, well, to be a pro player, don't you have to do that? Well, yeah, but this is where watching the matches come in. You watch Diana Yastrzemska strike the ball as a ground stroke, and it just stands out to you as, oh, wow, this is different than everyone else doing that. You know, in her match, and I believe you talk about who she beat yesterday, Oshan Doden, who Doden took some balls early, certainly. She was able, when she was able to change direction, you know, get a good first strike on the Yastremska second serve, and that's really the only area where Yastremska struggled. Seven of 20 on second serve points on the day. Uh, she was able to take control, but. I mean, Diana Yastrzemska's got a plus first serve, 27 of 33 on those first serve points yesterday. She made 62% of them. She's good off of both wings at the return. Again, if you float a second serve to her, she's going to punish you, much like she did to Doden, who she held to 7 of 24 on second serve points. She can go short angle. She can play with heavy topspin. She can drive through the court. And again, to have, what, three WTA titles and four finals already by the age of 20, that's special stuff, folks. And I know, you know, where does she fit in with the Kennans, Andrescu's, Osaka's already winning, Belinda Bencic has done some really special stuff, and then you start getting older than that, Barty, Svitolina, Madison Keys, Pliskova, Simona Halep. There are so many talented women right now on the WTA Tour. That's what makes it such a fun time to be a fan of women's tennis, but... In terms of the next 10 years, I, I just don't see a world where Diana Yastrzemska doesn't win at least one major. I think right now, if you're doing an over-under for Grand Slams in her career, and again, this is someone who was at the top of her junior class. This is someone who so quickly broke through the WTA Tour at such a young age. This is not a hot take for me to say this by any stretch of the imagination, but It's just the way she strikes the ball, her confidence on her first serve, her ability to swing through poor patches of play. It's really exceptional. 
And so, you know, in terms of from a tennis perspective, I, I'm a big Diana Yastrzemska fan. I think she just can do a lot of things on the court at a high level. And it's not just slap, slap, slap happy like you see so frequently with some of these young players who have that much firepower. She crafts points. She opens up the court well. She can play a little bit of defense. There is a plan B for Diana Yastrzemska if she's not just able to dictate all the entire time, if she's not just clearly able to overwhelm her opponent with you know, the pace of her ball with her physicality, there's more depth to it than that. And so I'm a big fan of Diana Yastrzemska. I think she will continue to rise, you know, the tennis, uh, in terms of her tennis, I think she will continue to rise up the rankings. I mean, she's already, again, accomplished so much early in her career, but I just think her ceiling is as high as any other young talents right now on tour. And again, she is in the midst. I'm sure I just jinxed her. I'm sure she now lost the second set and, you know, I'm going to lose this GSP ace of the day. Oh no, it's three all love 30 Yastrzemska's up in a Georgie service game. Nevertheless, the point I am trying to say, Diana Yastrzemska, special, special talent. She's someone to watch this weekend. If you have not yet already, that definitely jinxed her. Should she beat Georgie, you should watch her play live this weekend. If not, go check out the highlights of her from her first two matches because she was really, really exceptional. And I think that is worthwhile to note. Um, all right, that, that was a big one. Let me do three minutes on Petra Martic, maybe a little bit longer than that because you talk about Petra Martic who, by the way, uh, a big win for her yesterday in three sets over Samsonova, 5-7-6-4-6-2. She also won an absolute battle today uh, in her match, I believe, against Sasnovich, 7-6-7-6. Petra Martic is a fascinating women's tennis player. I mean, her ability to mix things up around the court, different spins, different elevations, different angles. In particular, her ability to utilize her backhand slice and disguise it and turn it into a drop shot. She's also pretty conf- you know, confident and quite competent at swinging through that two-handed side. And so frequently, it feels like in pro tennis, when you see someone with that crafty of a slice backhand with that good of feel on that wing, they tend to lean to slicing it as frequently as possible and maybe don't hit through the ball as frequently as they should. That's not the case for Petra Martic. She's got every trick in the bag, and it's it's a really fun game style to watch. She also moves forward more than, I would say, 90% of all players on clay in general, and she looks really comfortable doing it. Her ability to throw in, a, you know, in a disguised short little backhand slice, whether it be angled cross court, whether it be down the line, whether it just be your traditional drop shot and sneak in behind it and cover the net, her feel around the court. It's really, really good stuff. And you look at Petra Martic, who's the number one seed this weekend, the 29-year-old Croatian at a career high currently of number 14 in the WTA live rankings. It makes a lot of sense. You know, so often during people's career, you think, oh, if they haven't peaked by the time they're 24, 25, they're never going to. And if they haven't reached, you know, all of these highs this early in their career, they're never going to. Well, for Petra Martic, you talk about a story of per, uh, persevering, you know, had cracked a top 50 uh, all the way back in 2011, was top 60 in 2012, struggled with some injuries and some lack of form over the next couple of years, but really since 2017, when she made back-to-back fourth rounds at the French Open and Wimbledon has just been rocking and rolling and played some really outstanding tennis and she deserves to be ranked in the top 20. She's got that sort of skill set. She's an exceptional mover as well. Does a really good job of turning defense into 
offense, particularly with that slice. Again, I used to, I had this coach by the name of Ed Nagel, former University of Michigan All-American. I don't know why I'm bragging about him. He's the one who could come on here and say that instead of ducking my repeated podcast invitations. Anyways, um, you know, you know, Ed Nagel played with Malvay Washington. He was the better half of that doubles duo, one of the best doubles duos in the country in 1988, as he will never cease to remind me of. But anyways, you know, for Petra Martich, Ed used to say, a slice backhand pass. I haven't seen that work since the 1970s. You say not since Ken Rosewall have people been able to hit on the run slice passing shots. (coughs) Excuse me. And yet, Petra Martich is able to do that. And I put together this compilation of backhand slices she hit and posted it on Twitter. Uh, if you want to be entertained for a quality 50 seconds, go check it out because Petra Martic, exceptional feel around the court. She's really, really good on the dirt as she has been throughout the duration of her career. Just really exceptional feel around the court. And so for her, you know, not surprising at all to see her in the semifinals. Glad that, you know, she wasn't, as she did, again, dealt with so many injuries between 2013 and 2016. Really happy to see that this five-month quarantine didn't ruin the momentum that she has been starting to build uh, because she really has been a top 50 player I would say over the past 18 maybe even the past 24 months and it, it, it's deservedly so and it, it's a breath of fresh air the monotony of baseline bashers right of people who just slam the ball that's not Petra Martic there's more feel there's more craft creativity all those three things are synonymous but that's what you get to experience when you watch Petra Martic play and so really good performance from her uh someone who I think could have a lot of success in the semifinals would not shock me at all to see her if she's got any gas left in the tank uh you know she's played two really tough matches physically these past two days uh but if she has any gas left in the tank certainly uh she is a threat. I mean, there's only four players left. They're all threats to win it, but it shouldn't surprise you at all if she does end up winning this event. Now, uh, there's, you know, I, I want to talk about a couple of other players quickly before we wrap today's pod and head into the weekend. And again, for those of you who want to hear more about the action this weekend, I'm going to recommend highly that you go subscribe on Patreon, even if it's only at the $1 level per month. Any contribution any of you are willing to make on uh, to us greatly uh, allows us to do things like travel to uh, Kentucky for this next week's WTA event, things of that nature, allows me to watch this sort of tennis over the, you know, throughout the day, so that I can provide you with the sort of updates you deserve. I'm going to be doing that all weekend long for our Patreon subscribers, as I mentioned at the top. Uh, but it also just again, it feels worth mentioning a couple of other players real quickly. One player who I have talked about a lot this week already, so I'll keep it brief on her, Annette Conteve, who, when it looks bad, you think how is this player ranked? Who, when it looks good, you think, how is this player not the number one ranked player in the world? She continues uh, to show off some exceptional form, and she beat Laura Sigmund uh, yesterday, 3-6-6-2-6-2. Again, her ability to strike the ball, you know, change directions, incorporate heavy spin, but more importantly, just drive through the ball. Her first serve's a weapon. I mean, she's a really, really special talent. Another player who, 24 years old right now, turns 25 at the end of the year. Hey, I'm only two months older than Annette Conte. 
today. That's pretty weird to think about considering she's already won a WTA premier event and I'm currently sitting here just talking about her winning a premier event. Anyways, the point is to say, you know, Annette Conteve, who made the quarterfinals of this year Australian Open, who seems fit as a fiddle, just ready to break through. Uh, she's looked really, really good. And in her matchup today against Elisabetta Cocciaretto, uh, who she ended up beating, I believe, in three sets... You know, Cochiaretto is a really good talent, and you talk about the things uh, Cochiaretto can do on the court. Uh, she just moves the ball around really well. She has really good feel. She absorbs pace well. But coming into the match, and I said this on our GSP Ace of the Day, I just didn't think she had a weapon to take time away from Annette Conteve. I didn't know how she was going to hurt Conteve, and evidently that ended up being the case as Conteve took a 6-1-4-6-6-1 decision over Cochiaretto. And again, what I wanted to briefly mentioned a Conteve there so I could talk a little bit about Cochioretto because you talk about the 19-year-old Italian who had a ton of success during her junior career, right? Semi-finalist at the 2018 Australian Open Girls Singles Tournament, I believe, was a top 15 ITF junior pro at age 19. Uh, the young Italian has already cracked the top 200 of the WTA singles rankings. That's not something you do if you don't have an abundance of talent. She also won two clay titles at the 60K level at the end of last season, made five finals last season overall on the ITF circuit, all of them on clay. It's quite clear she's got really nice feel around the court. Again, can move the ball around really well, has a bunch of skills, would like to see her move a little bit better. Again, she's 19 years old, still developing physically, still, you know, becoming a you know full-time tennis player, still becoming a full-time touring pro, and that takes a couple of years to adjust physically what you need to do to succeed at the highest level levels of the WTA circuit, but she's got a lot of skills, and I've certainly taken notice, you know, this was her first WTA quarterfinal, uh, a couple of good wins for her, she knocked off Donna Vekic, who was a little bit flat in her second round, but a 2-4 and four win over Donna Vekic is never something to, you know, uh, what is it, something with your nose, peek your nose, sniff your nose at, and whatever that expression is, the point is, I noticed Elisabetta Cochiretto, and hopefully you did too, because she looked really, really good this weekend, and deserves a little bit of love, as does our final semi-finalist, uh, 23-year-old French woman Fiona Farrow, who knocked off one of my favorites, Ekaterina Alexandrova, seven five six two in the round of 16. I'll be honest, I watched a little bit of the Alexandrova Faro highlights. I don't have enough to speak as much as educatedly, I suppose, as I would like to about Fiona Faro, but you talk about the 23-year-old French woman who, again, has achieved a lot already in her career, you know, currently at number 53, which is one off her career high of 52, you know, played all of the Grand Slams, I believe, last year for the first time in her career, first-round losses at the first three, third-round exit at the U.S. Open, second-round exit this year in Australia. Uh, she's clearly making her breakthrough, and again, last year in July, she made her first international level final. That was an event on clay. She ended up beating Alize Cornet. You know, she's made nine finals at ITF events during her career outside of that one at the WTA level. Uh, I believe eight of the nine came on clay. Uh, she won three titles on clay, so she's three and five in finals there in her career, but 
It's quite clear the way she's able to move the ball around the court, why she's had so much success on the surface, as as much success, I should say, on the surface as she has. And I look forward to really locking in on her this weekend so I can give you guys a full scouting report, which all of you can hear if you listen to our weekend mini break podcast for our Patreon subscribers, or if you want to hold out till Monday, I'm sure I will have a few things to say about her then. But overall, it's been really exciting in Palermo. Again, we've been so fortunate that we haven't had any positive tests or any, you know, disturbing COVID-related news to uh, disrupt this event. And, you know, it's not the scale of the U.S. Open or Western Southern, and there's still a lot that could happen, right? It's easy to say nothing's happened yet. Then you refresh your Twitter and you read two players or two organizers or two fans at the event, whatever it may be, uh, tested positive. And, you know, again, thank the gods that hasn't been the uh, the case yet thus far. But certainly uh, something to keep in mind is we're rooting for the success of all of these. There's this misconception that people who are hesitant, who worry about, you know, the safety and health of all the people participating in this event, that they're rooting for the tennis to fail. No one's ever rooting for the events to fail. People simply want to keep in mind, again, the importance of the safety and health of all of these players. And so it's been really encouraging to see this event in Palermo thus far go on without a hitch. Of course, again, we won't really know until, you know, a week or so after the event when reports start to come out about who was there, you know, how the testing went, all of those various results, but still encouraging thus far out of Palermo. And what I've also, again, I continue to be encouraged by the fact that we are closer and closer to Pro Tennis's uh, tour action level, tour level action return. Uh, we've got the event next week in Nicholasville. Hopefully our Cracked Rackets team will be on site to provide you coverage not only via our interviews, but courtesy of the Tennis One app as well. So be on the lookout for all of that. Of course, we've had so many great conversations here at our on our Crack Rackets podcast as of late. You know, the GSP Ace of the Day segments, that's not a conversation. I suppose that's more me ranting at you, but have really enjoyed doing all of those. Of course, we've had guests such as, I believe this week was Logan Zapp came on the podcast. Uh, Bill, one of the top American juniors, Bill Riddle came on the pod. Alexis Galarno episode was released. Uh, Mark Lucero kicked us off this week to talk a little bit of world team tennis. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun here on Crack Tracks. And of course, we've got a great queue of podcasts built up as well. So I will ask, as always, like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, and Inside Out Podcast. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel as well so you don't miss any of the other amazing content Super Producer Daniel Westoff is up to. And as always, shout out to he and Super Producer Max Fliegner for the f*** of an editing job they do day in day out it's very easy very very easy folks can't stress this enough to talk incoherently into a microphone much more difficult to make it make sense so shout out to the both of them for the work they do in doing so and again if you have missed any of our content you can find it all on our website crackedrackets.com twitter instagram facebook youtube we're at cracked rackets you want to dm me directly and i'm always appreciative when those of you take the time to do so it's at great shot pod a shout out as always to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar you can go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com Use that promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your respective orders. And again, look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports Aero Bar helping tennis players across the globe do just that. But with that being said, again, for our wonderful 
Super Producers Max Liener and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Records and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Hope all of you enjoy a wonderful championship weekend of WTA action, and you know what we say. Hey, great shot is what we say on the other podcast, but we also say that's the break, and we will see you all next time. Leave it all in, Westoff, and have a nice weekend. Thank you.